Hey, hey, it's Ed Gallo. This is the Wrestling for MMA podcast. This is where I talk about wrestling, uh, the sport of wrestling itself, and also its context within MMA. Uh, Yeah, it's usually just me going through cards that are up and coming and seeing what the interesting uh, perspectives might be from a wrestling standpoint, like former wrestlers competing or fighters that use a lot of wrestling in their games, or just if there's a wrestling angle to any fight, I'll, I'll try to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to talk about the results from some recent cards and preview a little bit of what's coming up this week. Uh, there's some there's some interesting stuff there, as well as talking a little bit about the sport of wrestling, uh, freestyle specifically, just because the Olympics are on the horizon and things are uh, developing for sure. So that's that's the agenda for today. Uh, if you're looking for more breakdown specific content, you know, a more in depth. Uh, I'll have those episodes, but really, if you want that content, first of all, if you're not following me on Twitter already, you gotta do that. That's at Edward Gallo MMA. I post all my stuff there. Uh, I write for Bloody Elbow as well as running the fight site and all all of my breakdowns, all my written work, that ends up on Bloody Elbow, so definitely check that out. Uh, My last article was about Robert Whitaker and uh, all the cool ways he took down Kelvin Gastelum, so we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but definitely check out that article. It's very in-depth with the, the mechanics of the takedowns, which isn't always what I do, but uh, it, was, it was fun to focus on that. And um, tomorrow, there's going to be a resume review episode for Kamaru Usman. So there's going to be tons of wrestling to discuss there, and uh, that'll be on Patreon with the video. And I'll also release the audio for that on our podcast platforms, so you'll be able to follow along if you have Flight Pass or whatever. Um, but you know, I'll probably do some like back and forth rewinding, watching in slow motion, doing some breakdowns during that. And that usually requires, you know, getting on Patreon, looking at the video. We met our goal. We met our fundraising goal of 200 patrons. I'm very excited about that. And we released our first uh, of our top five UFC fights of all time. Uh, that was a uh, Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje. Uh, Dan Albert wrote that article. It's on the website. It's on the fightsite.com. Awesome article. Uh, awesome fight. We're going to release a commentary video for that on Patreon soon. I'll put the audio up here as well so you guys can follow along if you wish. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be four more coming. We're going to do one a week. And uh, yeah, get, get ready. Get ready for that. Uh, I'll be I'll be on some of those on some of those calls. I didn't write any of the articles because I don't have time to write those articles, but <laughs> it'll be good. Uh, so yeah, resume review, look out for it, um, all that stuff. Okay, so the most recent UFC event was Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, I actually did not watch the card live. I had to catch up with it. But um, it, it looked like uh, it was one that you're, it was okay to miss. Uh, there wasn't anything huge that happened. Uh, bottom of the card, uh, Tony Gravely. He, he was a D1 wrestler. He's a Virginia guy. He wrestled for Appalachian State, which is also in the South. Um, I think he was decently successful, uh, but which didn't, wasn't even like an NCAA qualifier or anything, but still that makes him a pretty high-level wrestler in the grand scheme of things. Uh, he got a, a, like a check hook knockout, so that's cool for him. Keep an eye on him. Uh, Bartosz Fabinski, the, uh, the wrestler, got subbed by uh, the Shart, Gerald Mearshart, so that's cool. Uh, I didn't really care for Fabinski. Um, Alexander Romanov and uh, Juan Espino, I saw a little bit of their fight, some clips there, and... Uh, Looks like there might be some interesting things to look at for the future with regard to Espino. Um, he hit a cool, like, Harai Goshi, uh, you know, underhook, uh, hip throw. And uh, there were some other cool wrestling-type things going on there. And Romanov is actually was competed at a high level in freestyle. I don't think he meddled anything significant, but he was a rep. 
at, at a high level for what is it moldova is that is that his country yeah moldova um so we'll see we'll see what happens with them but i'm pretty sure espino uh is the more interesting guy there uh isn't he old he might be old he's 40 uh we'll see we'll see mma is weird sometimes people age in, in strange ways um but yeah i, I i'm interested I'm, I'm interested uh as as much as i can be uh i should probably watch luis pena versus alexander munoz because i heard it was uh decent and munoz is the wrestling coach at team alpha male and pena apparently wants to give kevin holland some wrestling lessons so i assume wrestling happened and uh yeah i guess i'll have to watch that uh didn't see that fight uh Jacob Malkoon trains with uh, Robert Whitaker. Apparently he did some wrestling. We'll, we'll have to check that out. Uh, but the main event, I've seen it. I broke it down. Robert Whitaker versus Calvin Gastelum. A really cool fight for Robert Whitaker. Uh, if you remember last week, I did a lot of Robert Whitaker content. And one of those things was the resume review where I watched a few of his fights. And I got to talk about his career and, and his wrestling and everything. And, you know, pretty much all of those fights, he's leading the dance. He's the one leading. He's the one pushing uh, pushing the action. Uh, interestingly enough, like some of the fights where he got pushed backwards were the ones where he had the hardest time, where people really tried to put him on the back foot, which is weird because people assume his only weakness is like Izzy, who can counter him on the back foot. But, you know, sometimes uh, he does a little worse if you're the one trying to make him, you know, uncomfortable. But uh, Calvin Gaslam's pressure was pretty one note, and uh, Robert had a great display of his jab, interrupting his combinations. Uh, you know, really good work circling off the back foot. Uh, you know, intercepting and and just uh, picking him apart when he had the space and had the time to, to choose his own leads. And then with regard to the wrestling, uh, I definitely recommend checking out the article. But uh, basically, Robert Whitaker has always had the ability to get intercepting underhook entries because uh, he carries his lead hand so low, and he's always uh, you know dipping down and bumping in with his shoulder. Uh, that's the way he throws his jab. That's the way he throws his hooks. That's the way he strikes mechanically, and it lends itself really well. To the way that he clinches and, and defends wrestling it's a built-in underhook um so he is really good at getting that underhook but because his stance is so bladed you could just have the underhook and probably use that to turn them off to the cage and uh, and get your get back to the center but instead uh he wrestled offensively so he intercepted with the underhook and then instead of just like reaching with his other hand to try to lock his hands he squared up his hips so he he squared up his stance so he went from bladed and stepped his rear leg up so he was square and that made it really easy for him to lock his hands. And then he uh, put pressure forward on Kelvin Gastelum. He pulled that body lock tight on the back and, and collapsed his back a little bit. Then he hit twice. He did this. He hit these really nice, uh, like, uh, blocking outside trips. Uh, so you don't necessarily need to be, like, hooking the leg while you trip them. You just need to present a block. Um, so he would step his left foot outside of Kelvin Gastelum's right foot. He would yank him with the body lock over that block and, uh, you know, rotate his body and pivot uh, to, to turn Kelvin as, as he fell down. So it's really just about making sure you have control of their upper body, uh, you know, make sure you're pivoting your own body to aid that motion and present a block, and the foot is the block. Um, so he did that twice, and that was really beautiful. And uh, he went feet to back, you know, put him right in his back and, like, side control, I think. And um, another nice thing he did later on the fight was he, hit, uh, he ran the pipe on a single. He went snatch single off of uh, his head movement. Like, he showed a little bit of head movement and was, like, weaving down. Uh, of his head movement and then he just uh, sprung forward and reached for the snatch single head outside and uh, C-stepped so stepped backwards to pull Kelvin Gastelum toward the single leg side uh, where you have no base to catch yourself so you, it's really easy to fall off balance and he, hit the, he did that bowing motion that you learned to run the pipe 
and that put Calvin on his butt. And then he let go with one hand, you know, kept tight on the ankle with his other hand, and then covered the hips and got that takedown. So that was cool. Yeah, three three really nice takedowns. Then Calvin shot on him, him a few times, and uh, I, I think Rob just did a good job, you know, getting his hips to one side and, and wizarding and kicking his leg out, and, uh, just, you know, making sure that he didn't have a strong angle there and hand fought to get out of the situations. And then uh, Calvin had a double at one point, but I just it didn't look like it was anything. Um, so cool performance. Um some interesting notes, I guess, from that are Robert Whitaker. Is he going to try to wrestle Israel Adesanya? Uh, I think the uh, the snatch single type of situation could be interesting, but that's going to be hard to finish. Is he, you know, is he got definitely got surprised by Jan Blachowicz with with the doubles and some of the intercepting body lock entries, which you know this fight featured intercepting body lock entries. He would say, yeah, he should be able to do that, but it's kind of circumstantial. Uh, so with the snatch single entries, that's, you know, a lot more space and time for Izzy to respond. And tall people are really good at wizarding on singles and making it hard for you to finish singles. Um, I know that, um, uh, what's his face? Marvin Vittori finished some singles uh, on Izzy, but they were head inside, you know, full shot on the knees, you know, get height, you know, elevate, bring him up and, and double off. It was, it was a lot different, uh, different situation, different type of single. I think that uh, Izzy would do better with this. Oh, it can just be a tool to like hit off the break or change things up or push him to the cage, stuff like that. But I don't think it's a great path. Uh, the body locks are definitely more interesting. But the thing you have to remember is that Izzy doesn't typically give people those types of looks where he's going to be coming in hard um, and pressuring and, and giving you opportunities to intercepting, uh, you know, clinch with him, which is what happened with Jan Blachowicz because. Jan was doing such a good job defending his kicks. He was making him uncomfortable from the outside. He was presenting him some looks from the outside. He was kicking him well. He was pushing him back well. And he forced Izzy to push forward on him, and that's when he started to hit his, his body lock. So, um, and, and even then, you know, even with his size advantage, uh, it wasn't that easy for him to finish those body locks. So I don't totally see that as, a, as an avenue for success, but it would be cool if he could figure something out where he could, you know, force Izzy to lead a little bit more and, uh, intercept him in that way and I think that it would not be difficult for Robert Whitaker to do better in a rematch than he did the first time he he fought pretty dumb and still had some success um so I think he can do a lot better it just there's going to be some competencies that need to be cleaned up like he needs to have better kicking defense if he wants to have time and space to you know not get kicked up <laughs> and actually like set up things and, and have the fight go the way that he wants it to um so that'll be interesting but uh, I don't know uh, before I get into the next UFC event, I want to talk about PFL, because PFL is on Friday, which is before Saturday, so we're going chronological. Um, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about a lot of these Western Asian guys that uh, that PFL has on their roster. I mean, they, they, they seem to be wrestlers, <laughs> so uh, I will watch the card, hopefully, and I can tell you a little bit more about them afterward, but uh, there's uh, Loic Rajabov uh, from... Uh, I don't even know. He fights out of Germany, but he's at Tajikistan. Okay. Um, he lost to Schulte, which is not that... And, and Rashid Magomedov, which isn't that big of a surprise because those guys are good at shutting down wrestlers, and Schulte is a bit of a wrestler himself. I know he's judo, but, you know, it's all wrestling. At the end of the day, uh, he's fighting. Uh, Tyler Diamond's fighting. He wrestled a uh, Division One at uh, North Dakota, I think, and he's from California. Yeah, he wrestled in North Dakota. He was on the Ultimate Fighter. He looked pretty good there. Um... But yeah, then he lost to Bryce Mitchell by a majority decision, and then they didn't give him another UFC fight. So 
I mean, he, he could be, you know, in the same position Bryce Mitchell's in right now in the UFC, honestly. And uh, the fight that he lost in the Ultimate Fighter house, I recommend watching that. I have a video of that somewhere if you want to see it against uh, Jay Cuccinello. It was a really awesome fight. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I think he's pretty boring most of the time, but uh, he has some competencies. He's actually pretty good. Um, Chris Wade is a wrestler. He's fighting. He's from New York. Uh, Ahmed Aliv is fighting. He is a wrestler, obviously. Uh, I will... I, uh, like I said, I don't know a lot about these guys, but <laughs> he also lost to Schulte and he lost to Chris Wade. Um, who else we got? Not a wrestler, but my boy Shaman Marais is fighting. Uh, I, I genuinely really do like Shaman Marais. It's not a meme. Uh, he's just, sometimes he looks really good in his fights. He, he has some really nice tools and also he's very attractive. Um, so that the <laughs> he, he's easy to like, but a uh, fight against Brandon Lockman is really interesting to me because uh, that guy um, is a kickboxer, I'm pretty sure. So they're going to strike, and it, it should be interesting. I don't think the guy has huge power in his hands. So it's a different kind of matchup than uh, than Shaman's been getting against like really aggressive hitters like Feely or uh, or Sadiq Yusuf uh, or a grappler like uh, Zabit. So looking forward to that. I, I definitely want Shaman to, to go far. Of course, he's in the bracket with Lance Palmer in that featherweight tournament, so... We'll see how he deals with wrestlers again after Zabi, but a lot of time has passed since then. I'm sure he's planning on having to fight Lance Palmer. I think they all fight each other in this structure. Uh, before I get to the fight that I really want to talk about in this card, uh, Movli Khabilayev is fighting. He did the flying knee, a very viral flying knee. It was like 10 second <laughs> flying knee against Damon Jackson. Uh, he's undefeated. He's undefeated. He's had a bunch of canceled fights, but he's fighting a Lazar Story Dinovich, who... Uh, I've seen an LFA or RFA, whatever it is, a few times. He's a decent veteran, uh, has some hands, so we'll see what happens there. And uh, Nathan Schulte is fighting Martian Held, which is uh, actually a pretty solid matchup for both of them at this point. Uh, Held definitely a veteran, has wins over tough guys. Schulte definitely trying to figure out how good he is. Like, is he near elite? Is he, you know, I, I don't think his style is that interesting. Although, if you want more on Schulte, we do have a, a breakdown on our YouTube channel by Julian about his style that makes him seem more interesting but he's on a big win streak uh he has he has some decent names on there i'm interested in that um and then the main event is anthony pettis versus clay collard which is ridiculous uh it should probably be schulte held or the fight that i'm going to talk about now which is lance palmer versus bubba jenkins uh so if you are a wrestling fan at all you probably know who both of these guys are uh lance palmer is a four-time all-american for ohio state and obviously you know, a very good MMA fighter at this point. Bubba Jenkins was a national champion for Arizona State, and he also wrestled for Penn State before that. Um, I think the thing that people know about Bubba Jenkins is that he pinned David Taylor. Uh, so basically, <clears throat> I believe it was the first two years of his college career, Bubba Jenkins uh, wrestled at Penn State. And uh, I, I guess something was happening. I really don't know. Um, yeah, it was his first three years. Uh, he, he had his uh, freshman year sophomore year yeah junior year uh but his junior year he uh he was injured and didn't actually uh get to wrestle too much yeah he went 0-2 at NCAAs because of the injury and then he redshirted and then his senior year he wrestled at Arizona State so all, all but one year of eligibility at Penn State but basically what happened is it was either the injuries or Kale just didn't like him I don't really know what happened but they recruited over him and they brought David Taylor in at his weight um and he left <laughs> he left for Arizona State and then at the NCAA tournament that year uh, David Taylor makes the finals and Bubba Jenkins pins him for the title which is cool uh, and he said he hates Kale 
and he wants to fight Kale. So uh, clearly there's bad blood, so it was a very emotional uh, outcome. Uh, Lance Palmer, you know, national champion caliber kind of guy, but Brett Metcalf was in his weight, and that means he had a guy in his conference and, you know, in, in the division um, that he can't, just couldn't beat. You know, Brett Metcalf was always in his way. I don't think he ever beat Brett Metcalf, so uh, Brent Metcalf. Um, and, you know, that, that was the same situation at uh, 65 kilograms in freestyle. Nobody could beat Metcalf for all these years, but Metcalf wasn't meddling uh, at World or Olympic competition, but no one could take the team spot from him. So it was uh, very similar. But, you know, Metcalf was actually winning titles at that point. Um, these guys wrestled um, a bit. I think they wrestled twice in college, um, at least at least one more time. Um, but yeah. I think I think Palmer always beat Bubba Jenkins in college just because when they are at the same weight, Palmer is the more experienced guy, um, and they were in the same bracket at NCAA's in uh, two thousand eight, I believe. And Palmer was on Metcalf's side of the bracket, and uh, Jenkins was on Caldwell's uh, and Schlater's side of the bracket. Actually, there was a bunch of guys. Uh, that were actually seeded above Bubba Jenkins. Bubba Jenkins was the sixth seed. And uh, J.P. O'Connor, who is a national champion. Uh, Dustin Schlater, who is a national champion. Darren Caldwell, who <laughs> Caldwell, is a national champion. And a whole bunch of other top guys um, were all in the bracket. And Bubba Jenkins upset J.P. O'Connor. And Darren Caldwell upset Dustin Schlater. And then Bubba Jenkins beat Darren Caldwell. And then it was uh, Caldwell and... Uh, it was Metcalf and Bubba Jenkins in the finals. And then Metcalf destroyed him. Um... Jordan Burroughs also in that bracket, and uh, Lance Palmer also has a win over Jordan Burroughs, so this is an early, earlier career Bur Burroughs, but, you know, same deal. But yeah, these are two really, really credentialed uh, wrestlers. Bob Jenkins also has a junior world title in freestyle. That was, like, his big uh, coming out party, because he wasn't, like, a super highly touted recruit coming into college. Um, he, he developed a lot in that Penn State room. Uh, Jenkins has had, I, I could say it's been a little disappointing for his MMA career, just considering the talent that he is. Um, he won his first three fights, and then in Bellator, um, he got upset by Leroux Burley. Um, I think he gassed out a bit and got got finished late by this guy. Um, then he won a bunch of other fights against guys who weren't that good. Uh, he got choked by Georgie Karahanian, I think just off a shot. Uh, beat a couple tough guys. Uh, Goiti Yamauchi is actually a pretty impressive win uh, for Bubba Jenkins. And he lost to Georgie Karahanian again just because he can't get over the hump. Uh, Lance Palmer also lost to Georgie Karahanian, I believe. And then uh, he had a fight with Ali Bagov, and you know I'm a big Ali Bagov fan, and I've seen that fight a few times. And he actually he he took Ali Bagov down and controlled him a lot in the first round, although Bagov was striking off the back and uh, throwing up triangles and trying to submit him off his back the whole round. And then the second round, uh, Bagov took him down right away and and you know, beat him up and subbed him with the, and put him to sleep actually with the triangle off the back. Uh, but he's on a three fight win streak now. He's finished uh, finished two of them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's solid. He's solid. He's definitely turned into a, a veteran fighter. He's 33 now. Um, I don't think he's getting too much better, but he's in a solid place. I think he's a quality fighter um, overall, just not as good as he could have been. Lance Palmer seems to have it figured out. I mean, his style isn't anything exciting, but he's not losing. Uh, hasn't lost since 2017 to Andre Harrison, who I also rate, I think, is solid. Uh, he had the upset loss to Alexandre de Almeida. I don't really remember too much about that one. And he also lost to Georgie Karahanian, but he has some solid wins, um, definitely more recently. Uh, he beat Rick Glenn, who, who I think is decent. Uh, he beat uh, Bekvalat Magomedov, who I think is decent. 
Uh, Andre Harrison, he got revenge on him. Uh, this Alex Gilton kid, I think, might be pretty good. Uh, he, he avenged loss to, to De Almeida. He beat Gilton twice uh, other times, so he has three wins over Gilton. Um, but yeah, Bubba Jenkins will be one of his better wins, I think, if he gets it. So I'll be looking forward to that one. That's definitely a wrestler's fight. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't really do too much study on, on the way that they fight or, or wrestle, but I think just uh, the fact that it's going to be... I don't, I don't even know. Is it going to be a three-rounder? If it's a tournament fight, it might not be. No, it's three rounds. Um, I don't think they're doing any two-rounders on this card, or Tapology just isn't equipped to list them as two-rounders, but I'm pretty sure they might be two-rounders. So A two-rounder actually might be better for Bubba Jenkins, just because uh, I feel like cardio would be one of Palmer's big advantages. Um, but yeah, just uh, keep an eye on that. Definitely watch that. I wanted to make you aware that it's happening. Yeah, that's a big deal with, uh, with regard to wrestling. Cool. Uh, UFC 261. It's the pay-per-view this weekend on Saturday. Uh, three title fights, and one of them has already happened. <laughs> Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Last time, I, I would say Masvidal probably won the first round just on damage, uh, and then Usman did not have a hard time clinching him up, taking him down, controlling him uh, for the rest of the fight. The narrative is that Masvidal, you know, had had took the fight on short notice and. You know, if he was better prepared, it wouldn't have happened that way. But it's not like he gassed or anything. <laughs> it's not like he gassed in the fight. But I get that a training camp can really change, like, skill preparation and, you know, your reaction time and your timing and, and a lot of different things can change uh, based on that. Also, like, the way that you expend energy based on your expectations for your cardio. Uh, so I, I think there's more to it than, you know, just, oh, he didn't gas. Therefore, short notice didn't make a difference. Um, but I, it's, he's always been that guy who's going to back himself up to the, you know, not back himself up to the cage, but back up and kind of let you dictate. And just his ring craft isn't so good. Uh, his clinch game is good. He's good at controlling wrists, and I, I wrote a lot about that um, before the Askren fight. I was like, he could definitely out-wrestle Ben Askren in an MMA fight um, defensively. Uh, but, you know, it was much just the guy with that regard. He's really good at getting his hips in tight with his underhooks and uh, just, you know, minimizing the need for con basically he can do a lot of control with a little um he only needs one position on one side he's gonna pin you up with his hips as well he can really you know press in with his lower body and you know use his chest pressure as well to, to pin you up on one side and then use his other hand to punch or control your wrist or foot stomp or what have you and he's cool with that he's cool with not really opening up that space too much to attack and just keeping tight and scoring that way and then when you're you know getting lazy or if he can progress into a better position then he can double off or get to a body lock or, or something of that nature in an open space he's good too he does that henry hoof thing where he uh throws the right hand to the body a lot and then uses that to mask his snatch single entry which he's good with um good good reactive double leg he's been good at uh shooting off of parrying kicks he was parrying kicks a lot in that fight he just has a lot of good tools and uh, now he pressures a lot with his jab uh, has a little bit of a counter punching game he's developing i don't think he'll be able to get that going against masvidal but just the fact that he's going to be able to pressure him and get into that cage again and get the fight where he wants it. It seems like it's going to be the, generally the same t sort of fight. Um, and he's got a brick head. <laughs> he can take a crazy punch. So I just think it's a tough fight for Masvidal no matter what. But yeah, if it's if it's more competitive, that'd be cool. But uh, I'd like Usman to win. Uh, Weili Zhang is fighting Rose Namajunas. I don't think they'll wrestle, but I don't know. I don't really care. Um, it's a, it's an interesting fight for, for uh, the division from a striking perspective, but 
Like Nam Nunes has done some upper body takedowns before. Uh, Zhang Weili has, has done some upper body takedowns before. I just don't think it's going to be a huge intentional part of either of their game plans, as far as I can tell. Um, but we'll see. Maybe there will be something to talk about. Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade could end up having a lot more wrestling than I think people realize. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko, I would say the the most impressive part of her game is her offensive wrestling. Uh, her reactive body lock and you know upper body entries are, are really good. Um, she has that like sweep style that you see in like Sanda or Muay Thai. I, I know she's that's her background is Muay Thai, but it reminds me of Sanda a lot too. Um, but yeah, she's good. She's good there, like finishing with foot sweeps and, and finishing outside blocks with the body lock, and um, she's good there. Good at catching kicks and and uh, you know using the head as, as like turning the wheel of the head and uh, you know forcing people over to the side to, to knock them down off of that. She's got good mechanics on that stuff. Good instincts. Um, doesn't really you know attack legs and her takedown defense isn't that good, but her offense is cool. Uh, Jessica Andrade, same kind of deal as I don't really know anything about her takedown defense, but her offense, she's uh, very strong, and uh, she can lift on singles uh, and lift on doubles, and that seems to be her entire takedown game is get to the legs and lift. That can go pretty far, um, especially in MMA where the cage is there to help you do that. Um, Shevchenko, like I said, kind of a weakness in her game is her takedown defense, I think, and her and her bottom game in general, and I think that Andrade might take her down, but it just doesn't seem like a solid five-round strategy for her um, because getting into those situations and pressuring Shevchenko is going to be really tough because Andrade is pretty limited with her approach but she's been a little bit better about attacking the body and on, on her leads at least and uh, you know, she's getting a little smarter but also seems like her physicality is fading a little bit not quite the uh, the monster she used to be Andrade so I don't know it could be interesting in some in some respects but I expect that wrestling is going to be part of the game plan for both of them. Um, Chris Weidman is fighting Uriah Hall. It's their, it's a rematch, actually. Uh, Chris Weidman is just not really there anymore. And uh, I don't know. Not even going to talk about it. Uh, anything else on this card that I really want to talk about? The answer is no. That's it. Okay, <laughs> so uh, there are other fights, but nothing that really jumps out to me is like wrestling will be important here, uh, you know, so that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, with regard to amateur wrestling freestyle, uh, like I said, the Olympics are on the horizon. I talked a lot about the Olympic team trials. Uh, the next thing that's going to happen with regard to the United States is the last chance qualifier. So basically wrestling at the olympics is a two-fold process one you have to make your team two you need to qualify the weight so you don't automatically get to send somebody to the olympics just because they're on your team you have to prove that the guy that you have people at that weight that are good enough to contend you know at the olympics so two ways to do that really one is at the world championships in the previous year place top five so if you make it to a medal match, you're, you're good for the Olympics. Uh, the U.S. in freestyle did that at a few weights. Did it at a few weights. <laughs> we did not do it at 65 kilograms, which is the one that we'll be talking about. In Greco, we did not do that in a bunch of weights. In uh, women's freestyle, there was only a couple weights where we didn't pull that off as well. Um, but that's okay because you have a second chance to do it at the Pan-American uh, Olympic qualifiers. So for the United States, we compete at the Pan-Americans. 
uh you know obviously russia does european olympic qualifiers uh iran does like asian qualifiers and so on there's also like oceania and um african qualifiers i think they're combined because they're just not strong fields and it's kind of unfair <laughs> if they can just go through a really weak field to get there um so at the pan american olympic game qualifiers the united states qualified all but three weights um yeah all but three weights so women's freestyle we qualified every weight which is awesome uh greco we qualified all but two weights uh, heavyweight and 77 kilograms we did not qualify freestyle we qualified every weight except for 65 kilograms which is cursed it's cursed i tell you i was talking about metcalf earlier the united states hasn't had a medalist at 65 kilograms in in men's freestyle since 2006 i think and uh that was bill zadik he was a world champion and he is now the head coach <laughs> of the men's freestyle team um so we had zane rutherford at worlds and at pan american uh, olympic qualifiers and Zane Rutherford is a three-time NCAA champion, two-time world team member, uh, uh, age group world medalist, you know, world-ranked guy. He's good. He's really good. Um, he just cannot get it done. And all he's had some really horrendous draws at Worlds. He's always had the toughest guys right away. I'm like, yeah, that's not fair. Other people have easier draws to get to medal matches. But, you know, if you can't beat those guys, you're not really, you know, it, it, it counts. So... At the Pan American Olympic qualifiers, he had a freaking layup. Um, <laughs> all he had to do was make the finals. In the finals, he was going to have Tobier uh, from Cuba, who beat him at Worlds in his first match. He only had one match at Worlds. He lost to Tobier, and then Tobier lost another match before the finals, and then his name was eliminated based on that. Um, so all he had to do was make the finals. And the Pan American qualifiers or Pan American competitions in general, the rule is if you're not wrestling Cuba, you better win uh, because that's the only team really worth a damn. Uh, in the entire Pan American conglomerate, and Zane was doing really well when when you know teching people, lacing them up, you know, no problem, no problem. Wrestling this guy Distribots from Argentina, and he's going for his leg lace, and he's not getting the lace, and he's trying to roll it through, and he's on his back trying to roll his leg lace through, and he loses it. He loses the grip, and uh, Distribots is is sitting up, getting height over him, and he gets on top of him, and he pins him. Um, he gets pinned by an Argentinian at the Pan American Olympic qualifiers and does not qualify the weight. So now Zane Rutherford loses at Olympic trials and he's not the team member. Jordan Oliver is the team member. And now it's Jordan Oliver's job to go qualify the weight. So everyone that didn't qualify their weight at Worlds or their Continental qualifier has to go to this last chance qualifier in Bulgaria to go to the Olympics. Uh, I think it's top two. So you have to make the finals to qualify the weight. Um, you don't have to send your ref, but everyone's going to send their ref because that's the best guy they have. Um, so like I said, like if Zane Rutherford qualified the weight, it didn't, it wouldn't matter if he was the team member or not. It's just your guy at the weight. But yeah, Jordan Oliver is the guy at the weight and he's going to be the one that tries to qualify. And it's going to be so hard. <laughs> uh, the, the top guys there are going to be, uh, Bek Bulatov. Uh, he's a, a Russian who's wrestling for Uzbekistan now, but he's really good. He beat world champ David Baev really recently. He's won the Uregan, the uh, uh, Ivan Uregan Grand Prix, which is one of the toughest tournaments in the world. He's won it four times. Um, he's just a stud. Um, really, really good right now, and he's uh, coming down from 70 kilograms, so he's big too, and that's going to be the toughest guy to beat, so it depends on the brackets. Uh, world and Olympic champion Vladimir Kanchegashvili will also be there from Georgia. 
Um, he's had a rough run as of late, but he's still that guy. And it, it, you know, you never know if he's going to show up and be really good in a match. And I believe there's one other person that we're going to have to look out for. Um, let me consult my article. I wrote an article breakdown about Jordan Oliver um, and his match to make the team against Joey McKenna. So I recommend reading that if you haven't. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be uh, Bakulatov, Kinshigashvili, and the other person to look out for will be Megamed Murad Gajia from Poland. He's a Dagestani that wrestles for Poland. He's world silver. He has a million medals from various <laughs> tournaments. He's really good too. Really boring as well. But honestly, if the brackets turn out where it's like Vlad, Jordan Oliver, and uh, Gajiev all on the same side, and Bek Bulatov on the other side, that's ideal, actually. <laughs> as long as he's not on the same side as Bek Bulatov, I feel good about Oliver's chances. But yeah, just please. Please don't give him Beck Bulatov before the finals. Um, so that's going to have to happen. Uh, something else that's important to talk about with regard to wrestling is that the European Championships happened, or they are happening right now, and some big stuff happened at 74 kilograms. So the European Championships are not an Olympic qualifier, they're just a regular tournament. And again, like if you're someone who's wrestling in the Olympics, do you go and, you know, is your seed affected if you take a loss, or do you need the experience because the olympics are still like three months away right so you need you need some time uh you don't want to get too rusty but you also don't want to give the guys that you're going to wrestle in a couple months another look at you to, to game plan and scout you so it's a tough decision to go but it seemed like a lot of the top guys went uh russia did not send sidakov they sent uh jamalov who is the world cup champion which is the unofficial world championship from last year he's very very good he's also the russian national champion from this past year um Frank Chimizo Marquez from Cuba, the two-time world champion, Olympic bronze medalist, he was there. Um, and a lot of other studs were there. Um, uh, Ken Chadzi from Georgia, he's a world silver medalist, he was there. And uh, a very interesting storyline from this weight is that Taimura Salkazanov, who is Ossetian uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, from the Caucasus, he wrestles for Slovakia, I believe. He beat Frank Chimizo. Yeah. So he beat him, the top top three ranked guy, uh, and then he beat Jamalov, and he won Europeans. So he he was like a top tenish type of guy. Uh, he's very tough. He had losses to like Dake and uh, Jamalov before, and guys of that caliber typically. Um, but this is a big breakout moment for him. So it knocks off two top five guys. So now you have this crazy, crazy bracket at seventy four kilograms. So just counting the people who are going to be at the Olympics, you have Zauerbeck Sidakov, who's the two-time returning world champion, who's only lost recently was to Sabalov, who we'll get to in a second. Um, so you have Sidakov, you have Kyle Dake, you have Shimizo, you have Sabalov, who was a rep for Russia in the past and one of Russia's best guys. He transferred to Serbia, so now he's going to be there if he qualifies at last chance. Um, Kenchadze, world silver medalist from Georgia, he's going to be there. Um, other people probably there's like six really really freaking crazy good guys Salkazanov uh, now there's like six guys who are really really good that are going to be there so only four people get medals uh, you know gold silver and two bronze uh, so one of those two two of those six guys are not going to medal at the Olympics which is just nuts um, not every Olympic weight 
is super tough all the time, you know, relative to other years or, or world brackets, but this is going to be insane. So whoever medals at, at the at the Tokyo Olympics at 74 kilograms is going to be a monster. Um, that's going to be crazy. And at 65 kilograms is going to be nuts too because, you know, just to qualify, you have like a, a high-level bracket uh, just to get to the Olympics. So this is nuts. I will continue to give you updates on the Olympics uh, as we get closer. Uh, maybe one other thing that was important at Europeans is that uh, at heavyweight, uh, they matched up Akul and Petraishvili, who are the number one and two heavyweights in the world. Uh, they matched them up in the first round. This was the world finals in 2019, and uh, Petraishvili won in a really awesome match, and there's a breakdown of that match on Patreon, so check that out. Um, but yeah, they matched them up, and uh, Petraishvili looked like crap. He uh, he lost 6-1. He was taking terrible shots and getting re-attacked on, and just looked slow. <laughs> it looked like the slower man, which is usually not the case. He usually looks like the more athletic guy when they wrestle at a high level, but Petrash really also shows up and looks like crap sometimes. It's just, a, it's just just a thing. So we'll see if he looks like a different dude at the Olympics. But if he's not wrestling so well, and let's say he's on Gable Steveson's side of the bracket, that's great because we want Gable Steveson to win a, an Olympic title um, and stay in wrestling as long as possible. So yeah, there's a little wrestling update. Um... Next week, I'll either do a breakdown of the wrestling that happens on the UFC card or the PFL card or something. I don't know. Because I don't think there's going to be a lot to talk about with the upcoming card, but should be enough of past events to reflect on. Okay, um, subscribe on Patreon. I'm cooking up a new a new stretch goal for 250 patrons will be our next goal, I think. Got something else that I'm working on there. Um, and yeah, should be fun. All right, see you guys later.